This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Theo Squires, Mark Wakefield and Hannah Pinnock, all with me this afternoon. We'll be looking ahead to the game against Leicester City in the Carabao Cup. But before that, we've got a fair few bits to get through with the name Paul Tierney and the phrase video assistant referee likely to come up at least once. Let's start with Tottenham, where Liverpool dropped a couple of points against Antonio Conte's men with refereeing, unfortunately, Theo, the big talking point. We'll go through each of the big decisions in order. The first one was Harry Kane's tackle on Andy Robertson. I mean, stating the obvious here, but it was quite simply a very wrong call, wasn't it? Before we get into it, I just want to thank you for putting together what must be, if not the youngest, one of the very youngest blood red panels, Matt. I'm definitely the James Milner to Hannah's Tyler Morton and Mark's uh, (laughs) Nabby Cater in this, aren't I? It's just, yeah, I thought we've got Doyle, we've got Dan Kay, they're the veterans, they guide us through as these elder statesmen and you've just thrown this curveball in before Christmas. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Bring back Guy. At least he looks older than the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I will answer your question rather than just feel very old as we do this. Um, It's one where he should have seen Reg, shouldn't he? It's a wild challenge. And I've seen the suggestion today that the, the reason they didn't send him off was because Robertson jumped out of the way of it. But the fact that he had to jump out of the way of it shows that it was a wild challenge, that he was not in control of what he was doing. And if that's not a red card, then what are you going to do? Uh, the whole England captain status, well, I know it's been a thing before. Uh, I'm going to show my age again here. There was one famously in the late 90s where Alan Shearer just booted Neil Lennon in the head when he was on the floor completely off the ball. And I think there were suggestions at the time that he said he would withdraw from the England squad. He wouldn't go to the World Cup if he got charged for it. Um, surprise, surprise, he was found innocent on that occasion, despite the fact that the evidence said very much otherwise. Now, this one is nowhere near as bad as that because it isn't like a virtual assault, but it's such a dangerous challenge. Like if Robertson's not dived out of the way, we could be looking at him breaking his leg, being out for six months. Uh, studs are up, it's above his ankle. And yeah, you just you know how nasty those challenges can be and what they can lead to for these players and for them just to be so inconsistent. It really set the mark early on, didn't it? If that's not going to be a record, you knew you're going to be in for a strange afternoon of officiating, and that's certainly what happened. Yeah, I mean, normally, Mark, we'd sort of do a a few minutes on that one, but there's plenty of other bits to get into as well in terms of the referee. And the next one was the penalty that wasn't given for pretty blatant push, really, on Diogo Jota inside the penalty area. Again, there's not much more I can say, really, than it was just a wrong call. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you know, these sorts of decisions you sadly, sadly get used to, not just the Liverpool perspective, but across the Premier League. I think we've seen it today, like Newcastle have lodged complaints officially about the some of the decisions that have gone against Liverpool uh, against them against Liverpool, Man City and then the Leicester game. I mean, just I know we say like, you no, know, don't go too hard on the referees, but you know, we can hone in on, you know, managers for getting the tactics wrong or team selections wrong or players for making wrong decisions. But for some reason referees just seem to be not say immune to criticism, but there seems to be like a little bit more protection of them for one reason or another. And, Obviously, that like, is a tough job, but you know they have to. If they do make mistakes, they should be called out for it. And on this occasion, you know it was. You know whether it's a mistake or not. You know, I mean, vast vast majority of people know that's a penalty. I mean, they, whether it's a neutral, I mean, I think most Spurs fans will argue it was. But the thing that irks me the most was just the seems a bit more arrogance than anything that 
know, not just that they didn't get the decision, but they stand by it. You know, and Klopp's comments saying you know, that he thought Jota just stopped intentionally to get the foul is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, I mean, saying, you know, if you play professional football, that like, you would know that. But I think even from somebody who hasn't played professional football knows that, you know, it's not intentionally stopped just to get a foul. It's just that's there's no way he's doing. You can just see that. I mean, with the, I mean, he was, did have the best view in the house, probably. But even so, you, there's no excuse for that anymore. You've got VAR to look, fall back on now if you need it. And yeah, I mean, you no, know, you get the decision sadly in almost every single game now, which you no know, is a an whole issue in itself. But I mean, I'm, I personally wasn't surprised it wasn't given even after VAR. And then, you know, the bad thing is that that wasn't the most contentious decision of the, in the game, or certainly not the only the only one of the same level. Yeah, there was certainly quite a few, wasn't there? To finish off the, the sort of big three from a Liverpool perspective, Hannah, obviously Andy Robertson was sent off in the second half. I suppose the issue that Liverpool fans will have with that wasn't the fact that it wasn't a red card, but the fact that Kane got away with it in the first half and obviously Robertson didn't in the second. Yeah, I mean, usually when you, you have those sorts of big decisions go against you, you know, you can you can make peace with them. I think on a normal occasion... Might have taken me a while, but normally, you know, if Kane wasn't sent off within a day or two, I could probably make peace with it. But I'm sat here now and I'm still livid with it. And I think the fact that, that the Robertson red card happened, it sort of makes it difficult to make peace with it because, you know, Kane, Kane's was blatant and, you know, I've never seen, uh, doesn't happen often where everyone's unanimously in agreement that something was a red card. You know, usually it's a debate and there'll be pundits disagreeing, journalists disagreeing, some will say it is, some will say it isn't, but on the most part, pretty much everyone unanimously agrees it was a red card. And, you know, Robertson's, that's the one where I'm seeing, you know, debate really whether or not that, that was a red card. I, I personally think it probably was. You know, I think Robertson, you know, held his hands up and said that, you know, it, it, it was a mistake and, you know, he it was it was a reckless challenge that he, he shouldn't have made. Um and and fair enough. But, you know, it, it does feel, you know, unfair given that, you know, the situation in the first half and that, that Kane shouldn't have, have been on the pitch. I mean, I would have I'm much happier that Robertson walked off the pitch with a red card than stretched it off with a broken leg, to be honest, because, you know, that that could have been the case had had his foot been on the ground when, when Kane went sliding into him. So um, the the whole the whole situation was a bit of a farce, to be honest. And, um, you know, it, it's not the first time we've had such horrible decisions go against us and, and it is one of them, but... It is incredibly frustrating and it and it sets the tone for, for the rest of the game. And it's not one of those where you think, you know, we could have won. I mean, we weren't playing particularly well. You know, Tottenham were having some brilliant chances. But obviously, if Kane goes, then that, then that completely changes the game from their point of view because they were getting a lot of joy out of having Kane and Son up top on their own and hitting us on the counter-attack. And obviously, if Kane goes off when, when he should have done, then, then that completely changes the context of the game so it's incredibly frustrating and you know I think there does need to to be some sort of change involving VAR and and you know the decisions that are made because it it's it's not just Liverpool like Mark picked up on it you know Newcastle complaining about decisions that get made it's the standard standard of officiating in this country is clearly not good enough and VAR is a tool that's been brought in to help but it's you know 
VAR is only as effective as the people using it. And, and at the moment, it's not very effective. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The key word there is frustrating, isn't it? Because like, if it hadn't been for these other decisions, I don't think Andy Robertson does that challenge. It's just been a very frustrating evening for Liverpool where they've had decisions go in their way, where they've finally got ahead and then they've been pegged back. And he just makes this rash challenge, which I'll be honest, it made me chuckle because it's it's a blatant red card from Robertson. He's got a high foot. He's gone straight through the back of him. It's very much Karate Kid, Cobra High, Kai, sweep the leg just to take him out. Uh, but yeah, that sort of happens when you're frustrated, when it's late on in a game, it's not gone your way, you're annoyed with the officials. Like on another day, he's walking off that pitch, as Hannah said, on a stretcher. Well, not walking off, but he's been stretched off. But on another day, he's also going off as the match winner. But it's just one of those games that's gone against Liverpool and there's no consistency there. Um, we're looking at it now. Well, if he's lucky, he'll be back for 2nd of December against Chelsea. Uh, but then it depends if all the fixtures are going ahead as planned up until then. It could be longer if we had the odd postponement along the way. But yeah, it was a frustrating day's work for Liverpool and it stemmed from that. It's like if you've got a player who's as reliable and normally has a cool head on his shoulders as Andy Robertson making a, a daft challenge like that, then you know something's not gone right for him. And that's what proved to be the case on the day. I just find it odd as well, just like what Kane said after post-match, like he said, oh, I thought it was a fair challenge. He got the ball. Like, he can, the only part of him that got the ball was his arm when it ricocheted off of Robertson's leg after he two-footed him nearly. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, if that's the part of me that annoyed me even more, that his arrogance to stand by the challenge. If he held his hand up and said, yeah, it was rash and thought maybe I got lucky. But that's the thing I think irked people more, certainly more than the result. I mean, most people aren't, you know, point away at Tottenham, yeah, City have won, but no, it can happen, but it's the fact does the arrogance of just standing by, you know, a blatant error. That that's the most frustrating thing for me, I think. Yeah, I think you could see that with Antonio Conte at the end when he was interviewed by Jeff Shreves on Sky. He didn't say that it was a wrong decision, but he certainly didn't say that it was the right one. I think he fundamentally knew that it was uh, one that Tottenham had got away with. But we'll move on a little bit from the referee. And I know it's the big talking point, but there are other things to discuss as well, Hannah. I suppose the, the obvious question really that has kind of been a little bit forgotten given all that's gone on with VAR is, did Liverpool deserve more than a point from the game or was that possibly a point more than what they could have got given all of the, the chances that Harry Kane and Jungman Son between them managed to miss? Yes, it's a difficult one because you look at it and you look at the, the chances that Spurs had and you know, quite easily walked away from that game three, four and hit up, to be honest. And, you know, I think it's it's testament to, to Alisson, really. I, I know he will probably get on to him and he made the mistake for, for Son's equaliser, but, you know, the fingertip save and, and the getting down to deny Harry Kane when he was practically 1v1, you know, Alisson was a big reason why we came away from that game with with the draw that we did. Um, but, you know, it, 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 was, it was a bit of a mad game the whole way through. I think even when, when the lineups came out, you know, you could and you saw the midfield that we were going to put out. It was one of those where you think this is this is this is just going to be a weird day. Um and, and so it turned out. Um, you know, I think on on the face of it, you you take the point away at Tottenham, it is it's not too bad. And I sort of justified it in my head a little bit by by thinking, well, Man City lost there, you know, at the start of the season. So to, so to come away with a point in the circumstances that we did and given the decisions that that went against us, I, th I think we can 
we can take it as as a good point. Um, but obviously, in in the, then the context of the title race, and you know, I think Chelsea dropping points as well helps. But you're starting to think it's not Chelsea we need to be worrying about anymore. It, it's it's Manchester City, and you know, you you don't want to get to a point where they're going to start running away with it at the top of the table. So it it's it's weird nowadays because normally a point at Tottenham would be a good result, but when you're competing with Man City at the top of the table, you know, it, three points or nothing really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the midfield there and Tyler Morton is the obvious sort of one to, to pick out, Mark, in terms of him coming in was was a bit of a, a surprise. Obviously, we know the, the reasons why that was. And I saw Jamie Carragher kind of said, well, Liverpool and, and Jurgen Klopp almost exposed him a little bit defensively. I think that's probably a fair point, but it was probably more the case that it was Milner and Cater not sitting in and, and helping him rather than any kind of, of deficiency on his part. What did you make of, of Tyler Morton's first Premier League game for Liverpool? Yeah, I mean, I think you could see both the good and the bad with him. I think there was a one moment, I think he played a crossfield pass to Salah, which like if it was like half an inch like lower or something, I think Salah probably runs onto that and gives a chance. And like you could see the talents there, but then there were some other moments where a bit naivety, I think it was in the, certainly in the first half where he lunges into a tackle to try and win the ball uh, with a 50-50 with Kane and misses out and they go run through on a counter-attack. I think it was the, the sitter that Son missed um, in the first half and like you could see both like, say the good and the bad there. I don't buy into this though that he was exposed so much. I think that, you know, we're just so used to seeing Fabinho do that role so well. I mean, you know, Fabinho is the best, arguably the best number six in the world, certainly the Premier League, or maybe even the world. And you're asking an 18-year-old lad to come in on his Premier League debut away from home in a fiery atmosphere to try and replicate that. You know, Klopp's not going to rip up the tactic book and just go, right, I'm going to play a different way. You know, I'm going to play the same way. And, you know, like he alluded to it in the the press conference or the interview afterwards, you know, Navigator and James Milder only recently come back from injury themselves. And, you know, with the COVID going around, you know, that the whole midfield was basically wiped out. Add to the fact that Van Dyke wasn't there as well. You know, four of the main players in this team barring the attack just taken out of the team. So, I mean, we said, you said asked there before about, was it a good point or is it two drops? It's certainly, you know, we don't like to see them drop points, but the way the game was going and factoring the stuff there with the lack of, senior bodies you know it is a good point but let's go back to Morton you know you can certainly see the talents there um he's certainly got a bright future I mean if it wasn't for the lack of bodies in midfield this season with injuries and COVID and anything else like that's going on you won't be surprised if you try and give him some more senior football maybe even on loan somewhere but that's probably not going to happen now maybe that's something for next year but you can certainly see that there's a young player in there who could has a lot of potential how far he can go that's obviously up to him up to the other players around and up to however clock plays in but no there's certainly some promising things there but there's definitely a lot to work on but that's not a surprise given he is still very very young yeah it was a really impressive performance interesting that he played him ahead of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as well it could have been a, a slightly different midfield if he wasn't trusted but he very much was I mean that's going to be a sort of case I think for the next couple of weeks at least Theo given obviously five Liverpool players were out four of them with suspected positive tests Jordan Henderson was ill. We are going to see a few different players. We are going to see a few different positions and probably not Liverpool's strongest 11 for at least a, a good few weeks. AFCON, of course, is round the corner. This is something that all teams are going to have to get used to. And of course, we've had the, the Premier League meeting today. In fact, still going on as we're recording this. I mean, we don't quite know what the next few weeks will look like, not just for Liverpool, but for all of these Premier League teams. 
Yeah, and it's one we'll, we'll get to it later when we're doing our uh, team predictor for this Leicester game because, like in a, a League Cup quarterfinal, um, it, it's going to be stronger than it was two years ago when it was just the kids because of fixture congestion in the mall and playing for the, the FIFA Club World Cup. But it's almost the case where Klopp perhaps couldn't rotate as much as he would like because of the players he's got out. Uh, the options are limited somewhere. I could take centre back for an example, or normally go, oh, you could put in Nat Phillips. Oh wait, he's injured. Well, Joe Gomez is going to have to start. But then you're going to have to have one of Matip or Konate because you've still got Virgil van Dijk out. And this is a position Liverpool haven't struggled with bodies this year. They've actually had it spot on. Midfield, it's been a strange one. Like It's felt like they've had a midfield injury crisis because they've had so many players play that position. Like Tyler Morton was the ninth player to start a Premier League game for Liverpool in midfield this season. If you include Minamino and the San Siro, 10 players have played it. And that's obscene. But then... They've all come out of it really well. (laughs) You wouldn't say that there's anyone there who hasn't shown they deserve to be in this Liverpool team, that they can't state their claim. You'd say Jurgen Klopp was fully justified in his decision not to go and spend however much trying to find a Gini Wijnaldum replacement in the summer because the bodies they've got have actually done a really good job. Uh, The issue is what they're up against. They're up against Manchester City. Uh, If you look at the the list of absentees at the moment, Liverpool without 10 senior players, Chelsea are without 10 senior players. We've seen them drop points. We've seen them struggle to put teams together. Liverpool, not as bad as Chelsea. They've been able to do a full bench. But then you look at Man City. I think they've only got three senior players out. And what I will say is, they're not. one of them is not for illness. One of them is not for injury. And I'm going to leave that there. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. But Man City, you look at their bench, it is full of world-class internationals. They've not had to go to their academy and bring players through is the same extent that Liverpool have had to do or Chelsea will have had to do. Like, There's a few kids who have played this season, but it's not the same, is it? Like, They've got a lot of talent there. And if we go on to African Cup of Nations. Liverpool are losing the two best forwards in Salah and Mane. Chelsea are losing the best goalkeeper in Mendy. City losing Mares. Leading goalscorer this season, fair enough. But he's only scored four in the Premier League. He's only started like six or seven games in the Premier League. So oh, it's a big blow for them losing Riyad Mahrez. Oh, how will they consolidate? How will they compensate for that? Well, they've got Sterling, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Ferran Torres when he's back from injury, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Jack Grealish. I'm probably missing a name here. This is what Liverpool are up against. They're up against the City side that have been able to spend as much as they have and build a squad like that. And it, in the past, we've said Liverpool don't have the money to go and do that. And there's been criticism at FSG for not backing the side. Well, Chelsea have had the money and they're in the same position now as Liverpool. They still built really good squads. The fact that Chelsea are European champions, that Liverpool have won the Premier League and they've won the Champions League, it's just City have an awful lot more to play with. And it's no surprise that when fixtures are getting called off and play, there being COVID outbreaks, they're the ones who are surviving. Like they haven't had their own outbreak yet, so I'm sure if they have one outbreak, that could be a fair few players out and they would be struggling a little bit. But they still cope with it a hell of a lot better than anyone else in the division because their squad is the strongest. And it's one of the reasons why, I believe it was last year, when you had the likes of Burnley and that complaining about the top sides wanting to have more substitutes or wanting to be able to name more substitutes. And we thought, we had a little bit of a dig at them at the time, going, well, if you've got them, it's going to be save your players. It's going to protect the ones because you can give them more minutes, you can balance it out. But then in these circumstances, you can see, can see their point. Because like they don't have the players to put them out. Liverpool just about got enough to put a full bench together. Whereas Man City, oh, we've got a few players out today. We can still put in a basically a B11 and it would still probably be good enough to get Champions League football. 
they're just one of the strongest teams in the world with one of the biggest squads with so much talent. And Liverpool on their day are very much good enough to beat Manchester City. Um, even with like a midfield of Morton, Milner, Oxley Chamberlain, Naby Cater, they can still get results. They will still get results. Like in a game that you normally expect them to drop points a couple of years ago, they got a good point against Tottenham. But it is what's at stake this year. So we're going to see that in the weeks ahead, whether they can turn those draws into wins because in normal circumstances, it's not a bad point. It would be enough in a title race. But when you're against that Guardiola Man City team, uh, you do know that every drop point can count. Yeah, I'm sure they will get an outbreak at some point. It just seems inevitable the way it's going for all of the Premier League teams at the moment. They've not had one yet, but that doesn't mean they're not going to have one over the next few weeks. The last thing before we go on to, to Leicester, Hannah, Mohamed Salah, obviously named the, the Reach Fans Footballer of the Year this morning. He was fairly quiet against Tottenham, actually. It was a, a rarity that he didn't score or assist in that one. A lot of Liverpool's attacks actually went down the left-hand side with Sadio Mane. Do you think that was just a, a strange quirk of the game or was that something that Tottenham possibly had, had worked on in order to make sure that the ball didn't get to Salah? Yeah, I mean, I think for any team, if, if you're coming up against Liverpool, you, you know where the strongest point is and you know that it's Mohamed Salah. So, you know, if you mark him out of the game and you double up on him, then, then you know, you're going to have to force Liverpool to to find goals elsewhere. Um, and it, it was a very, very quiet game from Salah. I think it ended a run of, of scoring or assisting in about 15 consecutive games or something. So, um, you know, that's that's testament to how brilliant he is and even how targeted he is by opposition players. You know, they, they know that he's a strong point. The fact that he's still doing what he's doing is is impressive. But but Tottenham handled him well. And, you know, obviously a lot of the attacks did come down Mane's side. And, you know, as an opposition player, team and players, you'd, you'd rather it go to Mane, really. Mane is an exceptional player and, you know, on, on his days, he's unplayable. But, you know, it's, it's no secret that his form's not been great. His goal scoring form, you know, in, in the last season or two hasn't quite been what it used to be. So, you know, you'd rather have Mane take you on than, than Mohamed Salah, really. So, you know, it's understandable from Tottenham's point of view to to keep Salah as quiet as possible. And it, and it worked to great effect, really, because he, he didn't really get a look in. It's probably one of the quietest games, really, we've seen from him in, in a very long time. Um, but yeah, d- deservedly the fans player of the year. He's he's just in- incredible. He's, he's the best in the world. And, you know, one off game, I think, doesn't doesn't take anything away from that, really. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We did a, a full podcast on Salah a little earlier on in the day for anyone that wants to go back and, and listen to that. So we won't go into too much detail on it. We'll move on very swiftly. But I suppose I just have to, to caveat the fact that Mohamed Salah was very quiet and didn't score or assist. Of course, if VAR had pointed to the spot, you would have fancied him from the penalty spot and he could have been the hero and it could have all been very different. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll move on to, to Leicester City, though, next, Mark. Assuming it goes ahead, which we don't know at this moment in time whether or not it will. Obviously, Leicester's game with Everton was off over the weekend, so a little bit of doubt in my mind as to whether this one will happen or not. But if it does, how should Liverpool play this? I mean, for me, I look at it and think they can make changes and, and play a slightly changed or, or weakened team and still win. So probably that's the approach that Jurgen Klopp would take. Yeah, I'll be if you'd asked me, say, two or three weeks ago before this whole COVID situation would have gone on, I certainly would have said, well, certainly take it more seriously than Klopp has done in the past. You know, you look at the teams that are on to it this year, you know, City have got knocked out, um, 
Uh, Man United have got knocked out. So there's only really Chelsea and West Ham out of the Premier League's top five or six, I think it's like that, that's left in the competition. So there is certainly an opportunity there to win this. No, I think it, I hate it when people you know, turn their nose up at it because, oh, it's only the League Cup, it's only, it's only that. You know, City won it four years in a row and it's like almost the backbone of them winning all the major silverware you know, with the Premier League and the, the odd FA Cup. So it's certainly nothing to be stiff now. Um, but to your point about this game, you know, I mean, it's still up in the air whether this game is even going to go, go ahead. I mean, I'm not in the know with Leicester's situation, but the fact that they had uh, Sunday's game called off, the fact, you know, are we expecting them to go and turn the team around three days later? Or it's not going to be, you know, the most likely scenario, but assuming it does, you know, from Liverpool's point of view, it's basically going to be a case of picking whoever's available, you know. You know you've got the injury situation, which has thankfully cleared up, but, you know, typically, you know, as soon as the injury situation starts to improve, you know, we get some COVID cases, so you can't have it very good all the time these days, but I mean, I expect Tyler Morton to start, you know, he played about, what, 60-odd minutes, came off after because he had the yellow cards I expect him to play, but, you know, the rest of it, I, I don't see Salah playing, even though I think he'll be desperate to get goals, because that's just the kind of player that he is, but this is the game, I think, where you probably will give him a rest, you know, you know, because of the, especially if the fixtures go ahead over Christmas and New Year, you know, we want him ready for the Boxing Day game against Leeds and then Leicester again and then Chelsea on January the 2nd. So the rest of the team, you know, like defence, like Theo alluded to there, you know, the, the centre-back situation has been very healthy for this Liverpool this season, but you factor in Van Dijk's not going to be there and Nat Phillips, who would certainly start, is not going to be there. Now you're thinking who you're going to give minutes to and who you're going to rest, um, no, and obviously Andy Robson is not going to be available after his yellow card, after his red card. So Simicast is going to come into there, but the midfield is going to be the one where it's really going to be interesting because so the lack of bodies, the lack of players that are available, you know, there's not really many options to choose from. But like I say, we've all got to just wait and see whether the game even goes ahead at first. Because like I say, I, I'll, me personally, I'll be, I'll be surprised if it does. And if it doesn't, then what do you do? It's not like a league game where you could say, oh, let's just push it down the road and play it in. March, April, in a free weekend, midweek or mid Thursday night somewhere. You know, the semi final is about two, three weeks after that. So, what do you do? Do you go to the down the road of is the tie going to be forfeited? Which, you know, if, you know as, as much as we want Liverpool in the semi final, no, I don't want it to be forfeited. You want to, you want the game to be played. So, no, it's certainly not an ideal situation, but yeah, we've just got to wait and see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, it's a really tricky one. Two-legged semi-final as well. So that'd be something else to try and think about in January when Liverpool are going to be a couple of players short, assuming that AFCON goes on. I mean, it's just one thing after the other in terms of this might happen, that might not happen. And we don't quite know at this point in time. But assuming things are as normal as they can possibly be, Theo, I mean, Mark alluded to it there. How important should the Carabao Cup be for Liverpool? Does it change the fact that Manchester City are not in it anymore? Does that fact that it makes it maybe slightly easier to win, does that make it more appealing? Or is this very much sort of third or fourth in the terms of priorities for, for Liverpool at this moment in time? It's the next game, so it's the most important one. I think that's how they've got to approach it. Uh, it's a... <laughs> exactly, though. It's a trophy, isn't it? You're not going to turn your nose up at it. Like, at the moment, it's a quarter-final and just from being in the quarterfinal, your eyes are already on a potential trip to Wembley, and a potential Wembley final appearance, and then it's a chance to get a trophy. And I'm going to be very petty and say, because of Man City's uh, run in the tournament in recent years, I think they've gone level with Liverpool, is winning it the most times in the uh, competition's history. Well, I want Liverpool to win it, so they've won it more times than Man City, so they've got the best record in it again. Um, they've got some very talented players, who, and the B, B team, if we want to call it that, is good enough to 
goal all the way in the tournament. And it's one where, well, they, they've still got enough to get the job done. It shouldn't just be an annoying game that, oh, well, you write off and you put your, your under-18s out and again. Like Liverpool would have gone strong against Aston Villa a couple of years ago if they had been able to. It was taken out of their hands. Uh, under Klopp's time, they've, they've, what, they've reached the semi-finals, they got to a final. It might not be the top priority in terms of silverware and what they have to put their attentions onto. But when the games come around, they still want to win them. They don't want to just roll over, take a 3-0 loss. Like If they were going to do that, they'd just forfeit. They'd do what Spurs did in the Europa Conference League. They'd just give up. No, no, we can't be bothered with this competition. Liverpool will want to win this game. They will want to progress. And it's an opportunity for players to state their claim if they're not normally in the starting eleven. Um, but when you've got all these curveballs in it as well, like you say, the Cup of Nations and then COVID situation. Well, I know Doyley's had a theory for a while now that Jurgen Klopp might just play Salah and Mane in this one because he's not going to have them in January. So you're not that bothered if they pick up an injury in the next couple of weeks because not that your problem. Uh, Senegal and Egypt's problem there. And it's like, they'll want to get a few goals. They'll, they'll want a chance of winning a trophy. Like, they didn't win a trophy last year. When they got used to winning silverware, you, you can't really sniff at one when it's so close. Um the league is very close with Man City. That's not going to be decided until April, May time, the way it's going. Uh, Champions League, they look so strong in that, reaching it through the knockout stages. You fancy them to do well after Christmas and that as well. FA Cup, don't need to think about that just yet, but it's Shrewsbury at home. I think they'd have a good chance in that. The whole point of Liverpool building this squad and having these options is they can they compete for all the honours. And just because one of the trophies isn't as nice to look at as a Champions League doesn't mean you can go, nah, don't fancy this one. Uh, doesn't matter who Liverpool put, put out in their team. It, it's not going to be as weak as you'd expect because of everything tying their hands. But yeah, they'll want to win this. They'll want to get in that semi-final. And then even though Jürgen Klopp hates two-legged semi-finals and he'd much rather that was one-legged tie, he'd still be wanting to get to the final and then he'll still want to get the trophy as well. They're serial winners. It's what they do. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it can always set up a, a further silverware further down the line as well. We've seen that a number of times with this competition. So certainly one to watch out for. Just before we finish, though, we'll pick our teams for the game. Again, it's very difficult to, to do this as it has been for the last couple of podcasts. We have to assume that it goes ahead. And I think we have to assume that the same players who were available for Newcastle and then Spurs are still available for this one. But again, we're still a couple of days away from that. So we don't know if that is going to be the case. In terms of the goalkeeper, Hannah, are you going to stick with Alison Becker or do you think there's a good argument to bring in Quivine Kelleher? Um, personally, I, I, I would stick with Alison. Obviously, it's sort of the one position on the pitch where you know you don't really need to rest your goalkeeper. I think it will just be very dependent on COVID, really. If, if, if Alison ends up getting COVID in the next few days, then obviously, you know, there's your hands are tied there. But I think... If, if he's fit and he's available, then I think he's he's the one position on the pitch really that I think you go you go strong for. Um, ultimately, it's in the knockout stages now. It's it's not like it's um, was the last stage of the competition. Sorry, so um, you know it's it's the is the the opportunities there. So you know you've you've got to you've got to to push on really and and put out the strongest possible team um but obviously with with covid and everything and and you know it's it's limiting your options i think in a, in a normal um normal situation then i think you know we we see possibly the strongest 11 but that's not really an option at the moment and um you know if if the premier league's going ahead as normal obviously we don't know 100% 
yet but you know and you you, you don't want to risk you know losing your players to injury and in, in a cup game when your squad is already threadbare because of covid and um you know but for, for goalkeeper i think allison's you know as a shoe in really yeah, it's a, an interesting one, isn't it, in goal, Mark? You can tell us your choice in a, a second, but you might as well talk us through your back four as well. Obviously, we know Andy Robertson won't be there, so Simicast will be. And I'm going to go Gomez and, and Conate at centre-back and, and Nico Williams at right-back. Is that the same for you or, or any changes across there? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. I think you've got nailed on, spot, nailed on there. I mean, I think um, you know, there's a couple of young lads in the under 18 under 23s that might be under consideration but like the said it's a quarter final at the end of the day you know and it's against Leicester who are a decent Premier League team and the trophy is there to be won potentially so yeah I mean whilst Klopp might moan about you know we've got these amount of games over consecutive uh, days and things like that you know I just can't see him going too dramatic with his team selection so yeah I think Simicast is obviously one at left back I think even if Robertson was hasn't been sent off. I think Simicast will probably start this one anyway because you know he's highly dependable when he has been called upon this season. Um, some people have even said that he was above Robertson in the pecking order for that brief spell when Robertson had one or two bad games, which you know obviously wasn't the case. But you know he's still uh, certain, uh, certainly dep- able deputy. And yeah, Nico Williams has certainly impressed. Or not, I want to say well, he has impressed in moments, but he certainly improved. I think on last season, you know, he got a lot of stake for his performances. But you know, he certainly you can see there's. A, player there and then centre back as we said there there's not really really many other options there. I think Matip's the one who's probably the most injury prone or needs to wrap up a bit a little bit more than the others. So I think yeah, Gomez to get some more minutes from coming back from injury and then Canate uh in alongside him. Yeah, Gomez is, is an interesting one for you. I'm pretty sure we'll see him from the start. We've not seen a great deal of him so far this season, but Jurgen Klopp said it himself a couple of days ago. It's going to be a big second half of the season for him. It's certainly not the, the end of, of Joe Gomez at Liverpool, far from it. No, not at all. I think um, Liverpool put out the old A video today and you've got Virgil van Dijk in it saying these two are going to be my replacements one day. And that's very much the case with Gomez and Canate. It's been a bit harsh on Gomez that he's actually fallen back in the pecking order. And I suppose it's typical that the one time it happens, um, like normally when Liverpool have their centre-backs in the past, they all have their moment in possession of the shirt alongside Van Dijk and then one of them gets injured and someone inherits it. But he just happened to get injured again when Matip's actually staying fit for the first time in his whole Liverpool career. And they've actually signed someone who, so far, Touchwood doesn't get injured. So he's not really had a look in. And it's been harsh on him because like the couple of times we have seen him, he's had to come on at right back. But earlier in this competition, he was captain, wasn't he? He was playing centre-back. And it's a good chance for him to stake his claim because if Van Dijk's going to be out for a couple, you'd imagine Klopp is going to rotate his centre-back options, especially for the the Leeds and Leicester games. Um, Not this Leicester game, the next one, the 26th and the the 28th, those back-to-back ones. You can't see Joel Matip playing both of them, can you? The lad's made out of paper. He's not going to stand those two games in such a short space of time. So you are going to need Joe Gomez coming up. Um, and he, he's been such a good player for Liverpool and he's just been unfortunate with injuries. So we know how much Van Dijk loves him. Like whenever they've done their little bromance videos together, uh, he rates him. He says he's like his best centre-back partner he's had. Now, you might say a bit different at the moment because Matip's the one in possession. But yeah, Joey Gomez has got a, a big future at Liverpool and it seems quite strange that he's still so young because he must have only been, what, 17 or 18 when they signed him in the first place. And we're talking five, six years ago now. But yeah, you should have a big future at the club. You don't want them to, uh, to see them let him go. You just want him to be able to get the opportunities to be able to stake his claim. 
Um, and this one where he will start, he's probably the most obvious choice in this back four because he's back from injury. There's a few positions in this team where you go, well, you wouldn't normally start them, but the back from injury, they go in. And as Mark said, well, you're not playing Matip in this one because he's the one of the two, him and Kanate, you want to protect. And then the rest of the back four, it, it depends on how the team lines up. Like you could easily, oh, I want this player in midfield, so they go there. But I want this player in sack, and then you push someone further forward. So it basically depends on what role is Oxide chamberlain playing, what role is James Milner playing, and what role is Nico Williams playing. Because they could go in a number of positions in this team, and that would determine the rest of it. Um, so I'm just being really long-winded here. But basically, the thinking of this is because of the fixture congestion, because Robertson's out until the second, you don't want to risk Smikas getting injured. So there's always that possibility that you put an Owen Beck in there, or you put James Milner in at full-back, or you put Connor Bradley in at right-back, and you have Nico Williams further forward. So sorry to our video editors watching this. I've just made your job to choose this team. Very impossible when you do your little video. So I'll be safe and just go Nico, Canate, Gomez, Simicas. But there is so much more going on here because it depends where we put everyone else when we go through the rest of the team. That's a very long-winded set, way of saying, yes, I agree with you and Mark, Matt. That's what um, I do. That's do you want to talk do. us through your midfield? <laughs> midfield. Um, this, this is what I mean. Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, he could go in the midfield or he could go in the front three. here. We don't know because they've got the options limited. Uh, it could easily just be the three that started against Tottenham. And I think we'd all feel a bit uneasy about that because they didn't exactly have the best hour did they but then at the same time there isn't a natural base if you put um oxley chamberlain in and have milner as the number six uh, it's limited it, it depends if you want to throw mo salah in there as well uh, I'd, I'd probably say at this stage it's a trophy it's up for grabs put oxley chamberlain back in have tyler morton on the bench uh, i think you can make five subs in this is that still a thing for the league cup uh, it might be um i'll find out you can find out, well, I'll be long-winded again. But yeah, <laughs> Naby Keita, back from injury. He had his first start at the weekend. It wasn't the best spell for him, but we know he's a player that needs a few games to find his rhythm. And there's just so many lack of options. Like You're going to assume Fabinho's not going to be back. Thiago's not going to be back. Best case, Henderson might be, because it's just a sniffle or whatever he has had for his illness that isn't COVID-related. But then do you want to throw your captain back in? It's like, how important are you taking the League Cup? And you need Henderson back in. Come on, Mark. There's only so many words I can get out of this. Come on, come on. <laughs> same, same as the Champions League. So you can same, make five yeah. and you have three opportunities to do that. Oh, so, that's yeah. fine then. Henderson, he can be half fit on the bench. You can start. Assuming, assuming you've got five players on the bench, that is. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll stick with the three senior lads. Morton can come on after like an hour or something. You can protect them. You can try and get it done with your senior lads and hope for the best. And Henderson's one of the ones in reserve, so... What was I saying? Oxley Chamberlain, Milner, Cater. Yes, that's the same for me, Hannah. Is it the same <laughs> for you? Or do you think possibly Tyler Morton? I think this is a game a few weeks ago that you would have had down for Tyler, but he's obviously played an hour yesterday. It's quite a quick mm -hmm. turnaround for him to be in again. Personally, I, I, I maybe would. Um, I think a lot of it could depend. Obviously, we won't know that, but how strong Leicester can go if, if you know, the game goes ahead. Obviously, they've had a few COVID cases themselves and had games postponed. So, you know, they they might find themselves in a similar situation to Liverpool, really, where where they're having to field a bit of a of, of a second string team. In which case, you know, throwing Tyler Morton in in again wouldn't be. I mean, if 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 Henderson's back 
back fit and and on the bench then then maybe that could be a shout for Tyler Morton to to sort of do a similar thing with Tottenham really where he plays the first 60 minutes odd and then then maybe give Henderson some minutes as well um but you could also do it vice versa as well if, if Henderson's fit so um I I personally wouldn't be opposed really to seeing Tyler Morton back in I think if anything really it, it might be good for him I, d- I don't know if I, d- I highly doubt the Tottenham game would have been a confidence not really because he, he played well and it was you know a, a very difficult situation for him to be thrown in but playing against Leicester midweek um, I mean you can argue it both ways really maybe you want to take him out for a bit give him a bit of rest and, and bring him on if you can but if anything it might be good for him to just get straight back out there and and go again really so I think maybe Tyler Morton's the only one that I might change with that and chuck him in there um but yeah other than that I, I think Ox is is definite um to play this one if you can if he's fit again you, you, you just never know because you know it's subject to change hours before kickoff if anything so um but Ox would be another one and then it's a toss-up really between between Naby and and Milner but then again I don't know if you want to chuck Milner in at at left back like Theo mentioned so again it it all depends on who plays elsewhere really but I I think Tyler Morton will be in for me and then Ox and then I'd probably go Milner over Naby just because Naby's a bit more injury prone and might be the one that you want to protect a bit more um, but yeah, I'll probably go Morton and then Oxley Chamberlain and James Milner. Mark, do you want to talk us through the attack? I think Roberto Firmino probably starts this one. And is it just a case of Origi and Minamino either side, or is there a case maybe to go a little bit stronger, like Theo was saying before, with Salah and potentially Mane as well? I'm assuming Divox oh, out. Fair enough. Divox out, yeah. Forgot that. In that case, which one are you going for in place <laughs> of Divox? Well, to be honest, I was just trying to think it through while you guys were giving your long-winded answers. I was trying to like, get my <laughs> my uh, answer in preparation. Um, no, it's a difficult one because I think I think Minamino is almost a shoe-in starter because you know Klopp's, Klopp fans Klopp fans him as a good player. He is a good player, but just hasn't had the rub of the green at the moment. And he seems to like the competition. I think he's Liverpool's top joint top scorer alongside Origi. Um then I think I think one of the main front three will start. I don't know which one it'll be. I think there's a likely to be Salah like Theo said there. No, he's got the African Cup of Nations. If he gets injured, well, you know, it's Egypt's problem kind of thing. So and plus it's hungry for goals and it's a quarter final. So then you go, well, I, well personally I think I, there's a temptation to put him through the middle and then have someone like Kay Gordon on the right, who, you know, got the chance against Norwich, but I think was he out for the Preston game, I think. I think it was when he had the injury. Um, and yeah, he's another one who's highly rated uh, in the academy and obviously plays on the right for the trip to Norwich in the first, uh, the third round. Sorry, so now, like I say, it's just you just never know. And like Theo said earlier, we could have Oxley Chamberlain on the left wing rather than in midfield. I think I personally would have the midfield like Hannah Peter, Morton, uh, Oxley Chamberlain, and Milner. Um, I think that's a bit got a bit more um, sturdiness to it, whilst having that um, attacking threat as well, what you get from Ox. But yeah, oh. <laughs> The, the front three is just a complete mystery because, like you say, we could pick a, a, a trio and then one or two of them or all of them come down with COVID over the next 24, 48 hours. Um, so it is really just a complete lottery. But, you know, if if it was me, I'd go with maybe one of the regular three, i.e. Salah, Jota or Manit or maybe even Firmino. Um, and then I'd try and put some of the fringe players in whilst maybe giving... Um, uh, Okay, Gordon ago. Um there's another young really young lad who we've mentioned not mentioned in midfield is Elijah Dixon Bonner who has been in training with the first team a lot over the last couple of months. He could be an option 
like a wild call option in midfield. Maybe not start the game, but I certainly think he'll be on the bench. He's not one that we've um, seen a lot of uh, in the Liverpool shirt. Um, certainly for the first team, obviously in the academy games he has, but certainly not for the first team. But yeah, I certainly think it'll be a, a mixed bag in terms of first team regulars and a few academy players in there as well. Yeah, it's a really hard one to predict, isn't it? It's even harder to predict what the scoreline will be, but I am going to ask you I've each I've got four. a front three trio, a theory. Oh, I'll go on, go on. Let's right. do another I've five got a good theory. Right, it's not going to be a long five minutes. Um, the League Cup, Jurgen Klopp does love a half-time substitution. He has done it before with, you know, Fabinho do a half, Van Dijk will do a half. Or I think he did it against Preston where Matip did a half, was it? And then Nat Phillips came on for the second half. Uh, now, it is plausible that you could see Nico Williams in the front three. It's plausible you could see Kay Gordon or Oxley chamberlain But Firmino down the middle, Minamino on the left or Minamino on the right. Salah does 45 minutes, Mane does 45 minutes. Everyone's happy. You're protecting them. You've got enough of a strong team out there to get the job done, score a couple of goals against Leicester. You're protecting them for the league games. Yeah, job done. See, that wasn't five minutes, was it? should have listened nope. to me, Matt. Job done. Match prediction then. <laughs> Just have that Ooh. for the video, guys, then. Hey, have that one. <laughs> Job done. Job done, yeah. <laughs> Job done, Theo, with the scoreline. Um, oh, if it's another COVID-ridden team and it's all horrible, let's go penalties. But oh. let's feel confident with Salah and Mane doing the job in half each and it will be uh, 2-0. I'm going to go 2-0 as well, Mark. I'll come to you next. Score prediction? Oh, I'm being very pessimistic here. We're not going to keep a clean sheet, so I'm going to go 3-2. Oh. That would be an exciting game, Hannah. It's a league. It's a league cup. We've had five fours and four well, threes and yeah, five, 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 five. five. No, so we'll Yeah, I, I'm on mark. Really, I, I, I struggle to see us keeping a clean sheet. Um, so I'll go very tight two one <laughs> to Liverpool. <then. laughs> yeah, wins all round. So again, it's a really hard one to predict, but hopefully Liverpool do get through and they can add. Another couple of games to their January fixture schedule. But that's just about whatever will be, will be. We're on our way to Wembley. Exactly. Thank you very much for that, Theo. Just extending (laughs) the podcast a little bit more there. But that just about brings us to the end. There is obviously the the Premier League meeting that is taking place as we record, of course. We'll give you all of the details on that later on this evening as and when we get them. But for now, my thanks go to Theo Squires, Mark Wakefield and Hannah Pinnock for joining me and for you at home for watching and for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.